Super Talk Mississippi media production. Pre-record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good Thursday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And, of course, in the wonderful city of Laurel. We're glad you're with us wherever you're tuned in across the network this afternoon or online. Happy to share another hour of Southern Miss Sports Talk with you. Opening segment of today's show is sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. It's going to be a great weekend. Uh, get some delicious Dickies and uh, crawl in front of the TV and watch the Golden Eagles play in NZAA Regional Baseball. The uh, Dickies is open seven days a week. You can enjoy their food through the drive through take home. You can dine in if you like. And uh, however you choose, we hope that the next time you have a taste for barbecue, you choose Dickie's. So what does it take to get to the College World Series? We're going to have somebody on the show here momentarily that knows. Wade Weathers was a relief pitcher for the Golden Eagles from 2008 and the 2009 magical year. He'll be joining the show later. Also, Kelly Sander will be uh, joining us as well. But first, uh, we're going to bring the other Patrick McGee on back on the Eagle Hour. And uh, Luke, I'll let you make the introductions. Pat McGee providing us uh, analytics, numbers, great breakdowns of stuff as he has done all year. Fortunate to have him back on the Eagle Hour today. You can follow him on Twitter, WP McGee. Uh, you're, you're now, this is June. You were college baseball liker, and then this is only May. And I think you, you were really honored a week ago. It looked like McGillis, Lynch, and Boyd uh, quoted you inside the Southern Miss locker room. Pat, welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Yeah, so I don't know if you're familiar with John Rothstein. He is a uh, he's a college basketball reporter at CBS. And anyway, one one of his things is this is March for March Madness. So it's kind of a play on that. This is June. Uh, so it's just kind of caught on somehow. I don't know how. It's kind of just some dumb thing I came up with, and it is uh, it's caught on a little bit. So uh, kind of honored in a way. <laughs> It seems like everything you do catches on. Let's get get right into it. You you know your stuff, and and one of the things that you were real uh, on on Twitter, you you put put out lots of of great information. When we were determining the strength of of these regionals, uh, it seemed like the committee only went to the RPI, and the RPI is slightly misleading. You were one to put out, and I mentioned it yesterday on the show, but a little more detail uh, from you today. The Massey's ratings uh, take more into consideration, and so whereas you look at just simple RPI averages oxford is is far more difficult maybe the top two or three in any of these 16 sites yeah when you look at massey that takes into account margin of victory um whereas rpi is kind of just strictly a wins and loss based formula so if you look at the rpi you know fairfield i can't remember number two or number three but you know if you go strictly based off rpi you know you would have fairfield as you know a national seed so i mean i think you know obviously that's not right so when you look at the masses i think that's a um a better indica- indicator of the strength of a regional when you look at that. I think uh, I think Tucson was the number one toughest regional. But behind them, I mean, you had um, Knoxville was one of them, and then, of course, Oxford uh, was up there as well. And then toward the bottom, I think the uh, pretty clearly the three easiest regionals, uh, 
would be Starkville, uh, Greenville, and uh, Austin. So, yeah, Massey takes into account a little more than uh, RPI does. Let's uh, let's talk about the Oxford Regional, uh, and, and let's look at from a pitching matchup. Uh, tomorrow at 2 p.m., Hunter Stanley against Parker Messick. Messick, the ACC Pitcher of the Year. But you brought out some some stats there. He has not been really good outside the Power Five. Yeah, so they had a uh, they only played um, two non-conference series the entire year. Um, they went to 36 uh, games in the league. And uh, his first start against North Florida, uh, he got hit pretty hard. I believe he was pulling the third inning. Um, gave up five or six runs, maybe. Uh, now, that was, of course, on opening day. And a lot changed him. But then they had a start at um, or against Troy at home. Uh, that was in late April. And uh, he did pretty well. I think he went about six innings, only gave up two runs, but he did give up nine hits. Uh, so, Troy, they were able to string some hits together. They just couldn't get um, a ton of runs off of them. Um, but, you know, just based on that, and you look at his starts in uh, the month of May, I mean, he's been uh, fairly hittable. He's had some um, good starts early on, or earlier in the year. I think Virginia, he might have thrown um, a shutout. I don't know if he went the whole way. But I think that was one of his better starts. Um, but, yeah, recently, and if you look at uh, his numbers outside the ACC, uh, I mean, he hasn't been unhittable. Bob? So, Pat, when you, when you look at that matchup, uh, you look at Slater against this guy, uh, from your viewpoint, who has the advantage? I think it's pretty evenly matched. Um, I think Messick's the kind of guy, uh, he could go pretty highly in the draft next year. He's only a sophomore. Um so Messick, he may be a better pro prospect just in terms of where he's taken, but I think if you look at where they are both as college pitchers currently, I think it's a pretty evenly mat, uh, even matchup. I guess if you're a USM fan, you know, the one thing you worry about is Messick is a lefty, and, you know, there's a lefty um, – you got the lefty-heavy lineup. But I think if you look at uh, just production this year, I think it's a pretty evenly matched uh, pitching duel. So how do you see how, – how did we end up uh, with a – with a regional where the most difficult regional matches up with the most second difficult regional and the super regional, and then you have regionals as weak as what we what we see take place in Starkville. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's, uh, it kind of makes you wonder. Um, you know, I've kind of thrown out the idea that they should see the bracket um, based on where, you know, the weakest, 16th seed gets the toughest, or the weakest one seed, rather, gets the toughest two seed. And then that way, you know, you don't have a stacked regional compared to a, kind of a weaker regional. But, you know, the way it is, it works based on geography. Um, you know, Florida State and USM are both pretty close to um, pretty close to Oxford. Um, you know, I don't know how you explain a Campbell and a VCU going to start. Well, that's not exactly a easy trip, but um, that's kind of the way it shook out. Uh, Something went on in that uh, committee meeting, and I guess we, <laughs> I think we, we don't know. know. I think we know Something. what went on in that committee meeting. <laughs> so, something. Would, would this not make sure. more logical sense? Florida State, I think we can all all assume. I read today they're like 40-something straight regionals. Uh, Florida State, I think, is fair to say, is, is a number two seed. Should legitimately have been yeah. a number two seed. Why, why would the committee, you suppose, have taken a number two Florida State Put them in one of the Mississippi regionals, Southern Miss, a number two. Put them in either one of the regionals you want, as opposed to what seemed to be two number twos in the Oxford regional and perhaps three number fours in the Starkville. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
you know, I think y'all brought it up. John Cohen is on the committee, and who knows, he may want to, you know, give his school an easy regional and give his arch rival a uh, really tough regional over there in Oxford. So I, I don't, you know, without knowing what went no. on the committee meeting. <laughs> he wouldn't do that, that would he? That could happen. never happen. No. Come on, Pat. Why do you want to no. make a comment like anyway. that? <laughs> Pat, um, what one thing to, to go back to DeMar's matchup, and then I want to ask kind of a bigger picture question. Florida State struck out 559 times this year. Put that into comparative against Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss only sh- uh, struck out 411. So Florida State striking out about 140 times more than Southern Miss. That kind of bodes well for Stanley tomorrow, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Now, I will say this about Florida State that they strike out a bunch. Uh, they don't have a super high average, but they do hit a lot of home runs. I believe they have 70-something home runs on the year. Uh, they do play in a smaller park over there in Tallahassee. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Some of those balls they hit out in Tallahassee may not uh, – it may just be called at the wall uh, in Oxford. But uh, they're a team. They rely a lot on the home run ball. So, you know, it's going to be key uh, keeping them off the uh, base pads. So, if they do hit some of those home runs, they're only one, uh, one-run shots as opposed to, uh, you know, a grand slammer, three-run homer. How does Mike Bianco's decision, we couldn't report it yesterday, happened after we got off air, to hold Doug Nikhazy till Saturday? How does that affect the regional? Well, I think uh, it's a little bit of a risky move. You know, you look at Southeastern Missouri, uh, I mean, y'all have touched on it, but they got a really good uh, left-hand starter, Dylan Dodd. He's got a sub-3 ERA, a sub-1 whip. Um, he's Ohio Valley Conference uh, Pitcher of the Year. He's a guy who could you know, possibly go in the first five rounds of the draft, maybe. Um, so it's just risky. And you look at Diamond, I actually tweeted out some stats yesterday of his starts against teams that are comparable to Southeastern Missouri. So teams below 75 and Massey. And, you know, he had a six CRA, like a 1.5 whip. So those are pretty average to below average, uh, numbers against, uh, comparable opponents. Now he, he's come on a little bit. Uh, I think he had a pretty good start against Vanderbilt. Um, but I think they're kind of thinking he can just kind of blow 95 mile power fastballs by him and I hope they don't catch up to him. All right, Pat, I want to thank you for coming on. Now, you're a whiz at all these numbers, and uh, so you tell me. And, of course, it makes perfect sense to a guy with a journalism degree. Uh, you, no, have, you have a geography degree. That's, geography, how, you, that's yeah. how you got so smart with all the numbers, right? <laughs> uh, I guess so. I don't know. You know, I've always been interested in this kind of stuff. And, you know, when I'm, I guess, curious about these stats, and, you know, I guess while I'm doing it, I just post it for everybody else to see so they I can, you. you know, see themselves. So. Do the, yes, do the stats indicate that Southern Miss can win the Oxford Regional? <laughs> I would say, you know, I think the top three teams all got a shot at it. So uh, I guess we'll find out this upcoming weekend. But I think, you know, all three, uh, the top three seasons in this regional, they all have a shot. So it should be a pretty competitive weekend over there in Oxford. That sounds good. Thank you, Pat. We appreciate your time, man. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Uh, we're on the eve of the NCAA Regionals, Southern Miss and Florida State. Want to thank the other Pat McGee for coming on the Eagle Hour. A, 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 
a math whiz with a geography degree is beyond the comprehension of people with journalism degrees like me to understand, but we appreciate him being on the show. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. It's a great place to buy your Southern Miss apparel, as you probably know. You can shop there six days a week on Hardy Street, or you can shop online any day of the week at CampusBookmart.net. We thank them for their support of the Eagle Hour. So what do the Golden Eagles have to do to reach the promised land, which is what every college team strives to do, and that, of course, is to play in Omaha, the College World Series. Our next guest knows because he was part of the Golden Eagle team that did that. Wade Weathers was a relief pitcher from 2008 through the magical year of 2009, now the longtime head baseball coach at uh, Stringer. And uh, Wade, welcome to the Eagle Hour. We're glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right, Wade. So history was – I heard some people uh, – well, saw some people on social media take that for, for what it's worth. Uh, because the Golden Eagles didn't win the uh, tournament this past weekend, first time in several years, no shot of getting through the regionals. But history says that's not correct. And 2009, a great example. Is it fair to say that during the regular season that was not the greatest – performance by a Southern Miss baseball team, but boy, everything started clicking when the regional started, and the next thing you know, you're playing baseball in Omaha, Nebraska. Could happen again, right? That's right, it could. Definitely could. Take us on that ride you were in in 2009. What happened? What what clicked? What turned around? What changed things? Here's what happened. We we honestly were not very good there uh, in the regular season, and I can remember getting... uh, I think we lost a home series toward late in the year to maybe Tennessee Tech, and uh, that was a really low point for us. But uh, we made a – you just got to get hot at the right time uh, with this thing. And, and we – man, did we ever get hot. I mean, I know we lost we lost Brian Dozier during that, uh, our leader, our captain. I mean, obviously our outstanding player. We lost him earlier in that year and just kind of deflated our team. And uh, But B.A. Vollmer just kind of kept getting better and better and better, and he just – took off uh, in the regionals and supers and even hit a home run in World Series. But uh, just you have to play well the last two or three weeks of the season. And I didn't really – I didn't comprehend that at the time. But now being a baseball coach, I mean, that's that's literally all I preach to our guys is, you know, kind of not how you start but how you finish. And uh, to get right at the hot time and I mean, get uh, hot at the right time. And uh, that's exactly what we did in 2009. And uh, anybody – and college baseball can win this thing because, uh, like I said, we were we were so lucky just to get in the tournament that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to play really, really well in the conference tournament at home and luckily got a three seed out in Georgia Tech and somehow got through that regional and then swept the Florida regional, I mean, super regional. It was just amazing to see that against such great talent that we had to play against. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, we were just scalding hot on fire at that point. When you analyze this Golden Eagle baseball team and the way that they've played, young team, but really had some really good moments where they've played very, very well, uh, your thoughts uh, about what do they have to do now starting tomorrow uh, to get through this regional and onto a super regional and hopefully beyond that? Uh, to me, they got to stay They got to stay in that winter bracket game, man. If you lose one of those first two games, it starts getting tough on the pitching staff, because you got to win a couple of that, uh, you got to win multiple games. You go from winning, you know, two games to getting in that final to now you got to win maybe four. 
to get in that final three or four, and it's it's just it's so taxing on a pitching staff. And uh, something that we had, we were fortunate to have as our starters, you know, go deep uh, into games and take relief off of our bullpen. And uh, I think the the starting pitching is going to be key is getting those starters to go, you know, six plus innings and, and take the strain off your bullpen so you've got them later in the regional. Right, Luke. Coach Weathers, thanks so much uh, for for coming on today. Now, your role was you you probably made more appearances than anybody out of that pen, and and you were in a lot of ways uh, like the Ryan Ock has been this year. He's the guy you go to, yeah. and uh, but but one of your things you did was you you set up Cargill. Let's talk first about. Right. Because you saw so many appearances coming out of the bullpen, and you saw mm-hmm. this past weekend how this this bullpen struggled a little bit at the conference tournament. When you had a bad yeah. outing like that, and the and then you had to come right back in in a big moment, how did you prepare mentally for that? If I had a bad outing, I was itching to get back in and get that bad taste out of my mouth. Uh, I mean, I I was fortunate to have kind of a rubber arm, which I know some guys do on Southern staff now. They can throw a lot, not bother them, but uh, it's just a mentality of you got to leave the past in the past and, and, and be in the present. And as a relief pitcher, you know, you might only come in for two batters and you're done for the day. And uh, if it's bad, you want to immediately get that bad taste out of your mouth. So I was, me personally, I was always chomping into bed. I loved getting to throw all the time and set up people like Cargill and uh, even Khan the year before that, Tyler Khan, who was a great closer as well. And uh, you just got to have the right mentality. You can't get too high, get too low because – it's, you don't have the luxury of being a starter to where you can you throw and you get six days off and then you throw it again. I mean, you, you're going to be thrown back in the fire the next day, so you got to get your mind right. The previously mentioned Colin Cargill, that was when he actually had hair back in the day and, of course, uh, yeah. leads the, the Golden Eagles all time with, with saves. Did you ever just stick it to him and say, Cargill, you couldn't have got those saves unless I set you up like I did? I don't have to stick it to him. He knows that. But, no, he's, he's, <laughs> he kind of sometimes – Sometimes Colin would set himself up. He had to get extended sometimes, and he was just, man, just just an outstanding pitcher uh, for us and saved so many games for us and for the Southern Miss program over the years. But uh, me and Colin are good buddies. We've, we we lived together for a couple years, and, I mean, he's a great guy, and it's, it's good to see him still so actively involved in that program. Now, now, Wade, I want to bring this up since you said he was a good friend of yours. Mm-hmm. We've had him on the show before, and, and I, I watched him his whole career. And I remember very clearly that Colin would come in in a tight situation, do things like hit the first batter, oh, yeah. walk the next batter, <laughs> load the bases up, and then strike out the sides. But he claimed on this show that he never remembered doing anything like that. I do. So, <laughs> I, mean, I do. He was he was a drama queen in a lot of ways. He? he was a fantastic closer. He brought electricity onto the field when he came. But I'm right. He he could have been a bit of a drama queen, right? Yeah, he had a flair for the dramatics. That's for sure. Yes, hundred percent. Hundred percent. You've ever watched that uh, that replay of the Super Regional? His face. Oh, when we record that final out, man, go, go yeah. back to that moment if you would. It's June the seventh, so it's coming up almost uh, almost uh, twelve years ago to the day mm-hmm. that that dog pile in Gainesville as the Florida Gators watch the Southern Miss Golden Eagles sweep them in a super. Oh man, just for me, I mean, I was I was actually in the bullpen. Uh, I guess in case Colin got in trouble or something, which I mean, Colin wasn't going to get in trouble. We knew he was going to get ground balls, but when that that last double play got turned, I mean, it was just a. A full sprint for me, and the dog pile had already happened, and Colin was 
getting harassed underneath the dog pile. And, uh, you know, me and I think Josh Fields, someone else maybe came flying in. And it was just something, you know, that three weeks prior, thought there was no shot we'd ever be doing. And uh, much, uh, we didn't even mm. think we'd be in the tournament. Just to have, I mean, that, that added to the excitement and the, the joy that we had doing that is because it was so uh, improbable. And uh, just to see us, our guys, just kind of stick with it and keep playing and keep supporting each other no matter what people were saying about us and no matter how poorly we had played before. And uh, just, a, just a great moment. I know a, a moment that Southern Miss baseball fans will never forget. I tell you what's improbable, too, is when you lose the likes of Brian Dozier. Oh, man. And, and then born before your eyes is B.A. Volmo. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he turned into a star. I mean, right. he really did. I remember him hitting, uh, I think it was the regional championship game, maybe. He hit he hit two home runs in the same inning on right. the ACC Pitcher of the Year from Georgia Tech. And it was just right. like, man, this guy. He's reminded us, reminds us of that every time he comes on the show. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. <laughs> actually, so, man, we impressive. remind him, actually. But, yeah, great. It was very impressive. Now, how, how uncomfortable is it to be on the bottom of one of those dog piles? I don't know. I've never been on the bottom. and uh, It can't be good, actually, though, right? No, it can't be good. And, actually, I had the, the privilege of coaching a team that uh, two years ago before the pandemic, we, we won South State and got to go play in the state championship. And before we won South State uh, at Stringer, I, I had to go over with the guys how to dog pile properly to make sure you spread out, <laughs> make sure you don't stack yourself up or someone's going to get hurt underneath there because I can remember – Jimmy Ray Ballinger coming out of our dog pile in, at Florida, and uh, I mean, he got cleated in the head. We had he had to get medical attention to him, uh, and I, I'm trying to make sure none of our guys had that happen to him. Nobody suffocated at the bottom of one of those things. And we actually we practiced it, and uh, when it actually happened, we did it right. Nobody got hurt. We were all spread out. They knew what to do. So, and it was it was because of that dog pile in Gainesville that we that that there we I go. did that. There we, we got go. hurt. Yep. Well, Coach, let's hope we see another one here in a few weeks, right? Oh, how, yeah. how, how sweet would a dog pile at Swayze Field be in Oxford uh, come Sunday? It'd be sweet to me, man, because I, I, there'd be no better place to to win a regional than that place right there uh, right. if we have to Amen. go on the road. so You're right, Coach. Hey, thanks. Great interview. We really appreciate your time. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, Coach Wade Weathers, everybody. Who practiced the dog pile? I think that's uh, pretty much priceless. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. Eagle Hour continues on a Thursday. Really appreciate Wade Weathers coming on, relief pitcher for Southern Miss Golden Eagle baseball team, 2008-2009, member of the World Series team. And as we were reliving that, just kind of went back and did some research. As far as I can tell, Southern Miss entered the 2009 NCAA tournament as a 57 RPI. 
So uh, never, never, never count uh, the, the Eagles out, as, of course, they made it to Omaha in a Corky Palmer swan song that year. Fourth segment, or third segment, I should say, third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg. The road to Omaha begins at 4th Street. Well, you can watch the entire regional at 4th Street. They're going to bring the sliders back for the weekend. So uh, slider specials going on, all kinds of specials over at 4th Street. Of course, uh, go in there tomorrow, get the eight ninety five catfish lunch, fries, hush puppies, coleslaw. You can get a, a sweet tea with it. It's only eight ninety five. And then uh, let's cheer the Eagles on the victory against Florida State beginning at 2 o'clock. 4th Street Barn Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel Kelly Sander joins us now. Kelly, uh, you going to head out to Fourth Street maybe some this weekend? Actually, actually, Charlie Culifer and the guys were uh, texting me today. I had some appointments on the lunch hour, but they were taking advantage of uh, of the pork chops uh, today as part of the. You know, sometimes we'll just meet with different groups, and today Fourth Street was the place to go. So I missed out on the pork chops, but but believe you me, I'll 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 make up for it in the future. But Luke, we got a lot of a lot of uh, just. Various and sundry things breaking today in, in other sports news. For football fans who were fans of the USFL, the wait is over. The USFL is coming back next year, 2022. The original owner of the USFL has reached an agreement with Fox Sports that uh, Fox is going to be the television partner of the USFL. They're going to work on getting eight to ten teams, and they have copyrighted all the names from those teams that were in the league back then. So they're going to try to, to um, rejuvenate, if you will, these, um, these teams like the Michigan Panthers that Bobby Bear played for. Bobby Bear, of course, went on to play for the New Orleans Saints. And Steve Young with um, the L.A. Express and Herschel Walker with uh, Philadelphia and Washington, which uh, the, the New Jersey Generals, of course, were then owned by a guy by the name of Donald Trump. But uh, they're going to try to get all these franchises back up and running again. So the USFL, after reaching an agreement with Fox Sports, will be ready to play in 2022. Hey, Kelly. Although, yeah, go ahead. Didn't, didn't, didn't Reggie call your play one year for the, was it Birmingham? Was that in the USFL? Stallions. Stallions, yep. yeah. Yeah, and, and there were the, the Memphis uh, Riverboats, weren't they? Or the Gamblers? No, something like that, but... But they're going to try to get as many of these teams, the logos, the uniform colors, everything, they're going to try to bring back as it was back in 1983. So, And the, here, here's one more suggestion for Bob. What, wouldn't Washington's name the Federals there? I mean, we could, we could have the Nationals in baseball. Bob, there you go. You could be the Federals in, That's in, what they in were. football. That's exactly what they were. And uh, Reggie Collier was a big star. Kelly Santer in the USFL. He played very well in Birmingham. Well, we'll have to. We may have to get him back on the program. Yeah, to talk about I'm making that, a note you know. about that right now. And, but actually, I think the the uh, the Washington team in the USFL is going to be the Washington football team. <laughs> what else would it be? Yeah, the other, the other Washington yes. football team. <laughs> the the well, other Washington. And, and I'm surprised that a Jersey team wouldn't just be banned because Trump at one time owned them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that that, yeah, well, that probably really upsets the left that at one time he owned that football team. Well, once once they realize what's going on, yeah, there, there may be some news still to come on that. But the right. USFL apparently is going to happen, and although the USL the USFL is apparently going to happen, we're not sure if the Summer Olympics in Tokyo are going to happen at all. 
10,000 volunteers quit today of the 80,000 volunteers that it takes to run the Tokyo Olympics. The reason is because of COVID. The Japanese population is estimated that only 2.5% has been vaccinated at all. And with COVID spikes now starting to creep up again in Japan, a lot of the volunteers say they do not want to jeopardize their, their health and those of their families by helping uh, put on the Olympics. And, of course, there's been a move by several of the different countries whose athletes have been vaccinated uh, to postpone these games again or just to move them to a different country at a different year because of the situation in Japan. So there's more to come along those lines. But we don't know if the Olympics I- now scheduled to start July 23rd, if they'll happen at all. I, I thought the reason that they they all quit the United States government was going to pay them not to work. I, I I just I don't know why I thought that, but I'm glad to know that's not the case. Well, they might have they might have a yen to not work, but uh, see that's that's a little uh, international monetary <laughs> that, humor. That, that was a joke there, right, Kelly? I got you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. yeah. I wanted and to clarify that for the listening audience. The Cleveland Indians now have decided that they are indeed going to change their name, but to exactly what, uh, they're not sure. They have been in contact with different fan bases across the city and have narrowed it down to supposedly the Spiders or the Avengers. Could it get any lamer than that? How about just the Cleveland baseball team? That would be preferable, I think. Yeah, but that's already been taken. I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. Just calling them the Cleveland Kelly, baseball. tell me something. What is offensive about the nickname Indians? Can you explain I, I, that I to me? I don't know, but but those that find it offensive, Bob, their response, I think, would be, "You're not an you're not a Native American, nor am mm-hmm. I." So mm-hmm. we shouldn't make comments about it at all. That's what they would say. Well, you know who I think is yeah. offended by that? The same people who are offended by the Dixie Darlings. I, I think it's the same ilk of people that are offended by things of that nature, Mr. Sander. Now, Bob, I've, I've just finally gotten over my fear. Of, of the <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I, stoking, am I stoking bad memories for you, Kelly? I'm sorry. Yeah, like my like my years in Nam, you know. Yeah. The, the Kelly had nightmares with those white boots stomping on his chest. <laughs> yes. And the, the toe drags across the turf as they, <laughs> as they come onto the field. You know, I don't know, Bob, and I don't know where it's going to end, but um, the Cleveland it's not my Indians, team. man, I'm telling you, that's just that's a shame. That that's that's really Kelly. You're, you know a lot more about Major League Baseball history than me. But that's really one of the iconic, iconic Major League Baseball teams of all time. Am I right? In, in fact, they've had that team name since 1913. Yeah, so it's been over over a hundred years. It's just absurd. It's just crazy. Well, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Cleveland.com says that there's uh, possibly up to 1,100 options for the the, uh, the team, the name change. So we may have more than just uh, Avengers or Spiders, hopefully so. Right. The well, 1,100, I'm sure anybody could, you know, put their name in the hat as to, you know, what, what they, what, you know, the Cleveland mistakes by the lake, you know, the, um, <laughs> I mean, they're, random, they're, the Cleveland random acts of kindness. That would be good. Right, right, right. So who knows? Who knows? Kelly, how do the Chiefs escape this and the Braves? How do, how do those teams, how, how have they escaped this tornado of wokeness? I, I don't, that's, a, that's a fair question, Bob, and I don't, I don't know the answer to it. I think it's probably, it probably comes down to different cities' fan bases and, and how they feel about such things or, or the ownership. Um, I have, 
you know, I, I try to stay up on things pretty much, but I have never read anything or heard any reports that any Native Americans have been offended about the Indians' right. name. Right. Um, you know, or, or the chiefs, of course, are, from what I know, we're taught in history books, the chiefs are leaders, uh, leaders and, and, you know, strong warriors of, mm-hmm. of, uh, Native Americans. So mm-hmm. I don't, I personally don't know why any of it would be insulting, but again, there would be those that would say, of course, you wouldn't know because you're not one of them. You know, that, that's what they would say. So Dating back to 1865, before they were the Indians, they actually were the spiders. They were the blues, and they were actually the forest cities. Hmm. C-I-T-Y-S. Hmm. So maybe that's where Spiders is coming from. Cleveland Blues, uh, well, we already got a hockey team named St. Louis, so maybe they go back. Another one, well, maybe, uh, Kelly, this maybe. is the, the the Marvel theme continues. The Guardians is another one. Oh, yeah. That's that's yeah. great. Yeah, that's good. So maybe maybe if they were the Forest Cityans, maybe the Golden Eagles could be the Forest Countyans. <laughs> if we ever if, – if the, if the vast Golden Eagle population – Hi, dude. Kudos to Dr. Aubrey Lucas. He was a man ahead of his time in a lot of ways and a great, great man. He foresaw that problem years ago, Kelly, and he he made sure that didn't happen at this university back in the late 70s. So kudos to him. Uh, if, If only... We could put him in charge of the Dixie Darlings now. But I think and if, and if I'm retired. not mistaken, Bob Getty, you were one of the students on campus that actually voted. That is absolutely correct. That is for the absolute, Golden Eagle mascot, right? That is absolutely correct. Yep, it came sure down was. between the Golden Eagles and the other one? What was the, the other Raiders? Option? The Raiders, right. Yeah. Southern Miss Raiders. Yeah, so, so Bob didn't do his trademark eagle out at the Raiders. Like, he didn't walk around campus the whole time he was there. Vote for the Raiders. Vote for the Raiders. He didn't yeah, do that? But, but, I'm astonished, Bob. But Chris Berman had not been on television yet then. That's course, correct. Tele- That's, of course, television hadn't started on. then. <laughs> what are you talking about, Kelly? Tell On television. He went on the radio back in those Barely. days. Barely. Right? Yeah. He just got done listening to War of the World. And, then... <laughs> and still thought it had happened. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Eagle Hour live and continuing from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Kelly Sander on the phone with us. Happy to have you along on this Thursday. We are 24 hours and 7 minutes away from the opening pitch of the Oxford Regional. Southern Miss the two seed taking on Florida State. And we assume the Golden Eagles will be home because they're the two seed. Uh, Conference USA is not running this tournament, but we shall see. You can watch it, the the game tomorrow on ESPNU. If you have DirecTV, that is channel 208. 
if you have Dish, that is channel 141. Or you, if you have ESPN uh, Plus or, or subscribe to ESPN, you go to ESPN.com front slash watch. So watch ESPN. will have this. Of, uh, of course, John Cox and Jack Duggan will be on the Southern Miss uh, IMG Sports Network, and uh, that will be tomorrow at 2 p.m. Hunter Stanley against Par- Parker Messick. Golden Eagles thirty nine and are thirty seven and nineteen. Florida State thirty and twenty two. Mentioning, speaking of Walker Powell and Hunter Stanley, both senior right handed pitchers named second team All American by Collegiate Baseball this morning. Walker Powell, of course, a Conference USA Pitcher of the Year, nine and two, two five three ERA. He uh, he ranks in the active career leaders in NCAA uh, Division One baseball. Twenty nine victories, ten complete games, and he's third in innings worked, three hundred and thirty two. Stanley, on the other hand, has a six three record, two four two, and fourteen starts, struck out one hundred and nineteen. So want him to add to that strikeout total uh, tomorrow. So Walker Powell and Hunter Stanley. Second team All-American by Collegiate Baseball, and we expect over the next week several more of those to roll in. All right, guys, we always like talking food. I, I think I'm a little hungry. I didn't really you know, I skip lunch, um, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But this is what we're going to do. So Ole Miss Baseball puts out special hot dogs that are going to be made for the Oxford Regional. We're going to rank these as, uh, as prep work. The most important part of a regional other than baseball is the food. All right, here you go. We'll go in the order of seeds, and then we'll rank. So uh, the number one seed is the Ole Miss. Uh, it took them a long time to think about this. The Rebel Dog. It is a hot dog topped with chops barbecue, pulled pork, coleslaw, and barbecue sauce. That is with the Rebel Dog. Of, with a sprinkle of ego. <laughs> On the side. <laughs> Okay. The number two seed, Golden Eagle, is a hot dog topped with jalapeno pimento cheese. I guess that they got the little color in there. And bacon crumbles. Hmm. That is the Golden Eagle. Jalapeno pimento cheese and bacon crumbles. Number three seed, Seminole Dog, a voodoo-inspired hot dog topped with fried macaroni and cheese bites and jalapeno cheese sauce. Mm. Mm. And the number four seed, Red Hawk Red Hot Dog. Hot dog topped with fried onions, jalapenos, buffalo sauce, and pepper jack cheese. Kelly Sander. Well, what this tells me is that the, the people who run the concession stand at Oxford have a hell of a lot of jalapenos they need to get rid of. That is no kidding. Everyone has jalapenos. Am I right about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I Except Ole Miss. A, They're the only ones. I'm not a big fan of jalapenos, particularly on, on hot dogs. But uh, yeah, the, everything must go, right? It's mm. the mm. last tournament of the year. What's your favorite, so, Sander, being the connoisseur that you are? I think the uh, Florida State one, actually, with the baked macaroni and uh, the cheese, cheese bites, right? Mm. Again, I can do without the jalapenos. Mm. but R- run Fried those- macaroni and cheese bites with the jalapeno cheese. All right, Rebel Dog, you get barbecue pulled pork, cold slaw, barbecue sauce. That's Ole Miss. The Golden Eagle, jalapeno, pimento cheese, bacon crumbles. Seminole, Seminole Dog, fried macaroni, cheese bites, jalapeno, cheese sauce. The Red Hawk Dog, fried onions, jalapenos, buffalo sauce, pepper jack cheese. And if, if my, my recommendation, if you're going to get the Red Hawk 
hot dogs, you better get it in day one because I don't think they're going to be around much much longer. <laughs> you better grab them in the first two games, right? <laughs> well, we we want them. Right. We want them there on Saturday, right? We we want yeah, them there. Yeah, we yeah. want them. Don't miss. It, it grieves you me. Got, to, well, it grieves me to say that if it were just for a matter of of food, I'd have to. It, this is hard to come out of my mouth. I'd have to eat the Rebel hot dog, but. Standing on principle, I'll eat all the jalapenos before I'll eat a Rebel hot dog. So uh, I, I guess there I'm going to just have indigestion for a month and just and if the, eat and the if jalapenos. Eagles, and if the Eagles wind up winning that regional, then the Ole Miss dog is going to have crow on top of it, too. Kind of wondered why they didn't have a mustard buzzard special. That, that would be. I don't think any of us are going to eat any of these because they cost $7. No, we're not. But I, they were trying to be respectful. They probably thought we would take that as an insult if they said that. Would be that would be my guess, yeah. Santa. Well, and, and of course the games are going to go on, you know, during nighttime, in the afternoon, and things like that. I think they're they're going to serve hot coffee with jalapenos. Yeah, uh, yeah. Captain Punch cereal with jalapenos, <laughs> and and meanwhile, Kelly and Starkle zebra cakes. And uh, donuts and uh, honey buns in between brought every day. Brought to you day. by Little Debbie. Hey, That's brought to the Little Debbie regional. Yes. Real quick, gotta gotta do this, or, or well, she'll get mad at me because I did this. But it's Lauren Johnson's birthday. Can you guys wish her a happy birthday? Happy birthday, Lauren. Happy birthday, Lauren. I still don't know what you see in him. Uh, neither, neither one of us. It's a mystery to us, Lauren. But happy birthday to you. <laughs> Luke will be in Oxford eating a hot dog tomorrow about this time, and we'll do a live report from the Oxford Regals. Until then, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.